0: Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful As A Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey, hey, Lindsay here. Have you ever wanted to just like talk to someone about your child just to make sure you're on the right track or they're going through a phase that maybe you have some questions about? Or you don't know if they need like a full therapist or you just want some advice on how to handle a specific situation with them. Or you just want some ideas for things you can start implementing and working on at home. That is what I am doing in my new problem solving sessions right now. This is the only way to work with me one-on-one because I'm not taking new therapy clients. If you're interested in something like this for your child, go on the show notes and there's a link and you fill out an application to work with me and I will get back to you about if it's a good fit and scheduling and all that jazz. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional.
1: Welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. This week we have a special guest, Dr. Kate Lund. So let me give you just a brief intro on why we're so excited for this interview and why we feel like it'll really um, serve you guys as our listeners. So Dr. Kate is a clinical psychologist and she has worked with hospital schools, hundreds of parents. She even has a best-selling book titled Bounce, which is the ultimate guide to helping children build resiliency and thrive in all areas of your life. So today we have invited Dr. Kate on to share a little bit more about her, how she found her passion, and then also give us some tips and strategies on how to help our kids
2: bounce back. Awesome, thanks for having me.
0: We're so excited to have you here and I'm really so excited to read the book. It's on my list, I haven't had time yet, but I'm very excited about it. And this interview may selfishly be more for me and my own information yeah (laughs) agreed i'm like look can you just outline your book no kidding
2: (laughs) awesome
1: right so we're going to go ahead and give you the floor dr kate why don't you tell us a little bit about you
2: sure so uh as you mentioned i'm a clinical psychologist and um i've been uh doing this work for about uh 20 years and have long long been interested in you know psychology in the field I think it developed in childhood my interest in this area and so it's been really um, neat to see you know kind of looking at my own experience over time how it's developed and how it sort of um, evolved and uh, shifted um, you know from many different domains of the psychology arena to where it is now. And a lot of that actually had to do with the fact that we've moved around a lot with my husband's job. And mm-hmm. the cool thing about being a clinical psychologist is that you can pivot, you can shift gears and kind of you know, um, uh, create new um, areas of expertise through additional training and experiences and that sort of thing. So it's definitely been a journey, um, which I think started early on in my life. Um, I grew up with uh, a medical condition called hydrocephalus, which is where the cerebral spinal fluid isn't circulating as it should. And they have to implant um, a medical device called a shunt, which will circulate the uh, cerebral spinal fluid for people who have hydrocephalus. Mm -hmm. And so that experience was really You know a a formative um time in my life that continued through my entire childhood and actually in some ways continues today and so a lot of time in the hospital a lot of time out of school a lot of instances where i had to bounce back um had to find angles find ways to move forward despite um you know really having a significant barrier or obstacle in front of me Um, Mm -hmm. but I was fortunate. I had a lot of support, a lot of, um, a lot of support from my family, from my parents, um, from the parents of friends, from friends, teachers. So I was very fortunate in that way, but it was still a very um, challenging time, which went on for quite, quite a while when I was very young. Yeah.
1: I feel like when you stumble into psychology, or the helping professions in general, I say this to people all the time that are in the profession, like typically um, you find a specific set of people involved in the helping professions with behavioral health or psychology. And it's because we have encountered so many things in our own life that we then want to utilize that kind of as the springboard to support other people similar to ourselves.
2: Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. And, um, you know, have long had an interest in, um, you know, as a psychologist working with kids and families who are encountering some sort of a significant medical challenge, physical disability, something that um, makes them stand out as different in that way did a lot of my early training um, as a psychologist. Um, I was very, very fortunate to have the opportunity um, at Mass General Hospital and Shriners Burn Center for Children um, Mm -hmm. in Boston. And that was a really, really excellent opportunity um, to learn, to learn how to, um, as a psychologist, help kids bounce back from major medical trauma, Mm -hmm. which in many cases has um not only transform them emotionally but also physically um, and so that was that was where i got my start as a official psychologist i finished up my training there and got licensed in, in massachusetts that sort of thing um, and was really a springboard for what was what was to come next and as i mentioned we have moved a lot with my husband's job um, i feel as though i would still probably be there if we hadn't done that much moving, but you know, you, you morph and you pivot and you, uh, find other ways to, you know, uh, give back in similar ways. And that's what I've, what I've kind of done over time.
0: Right. And I love that you've taken something that you struggled with and, and you turned it into your superpower. And then now you're teaching other kids how to do the same thing.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of that um, has to do with or had to do with, you know, developing um, early on an ability to believe in myself and the possibility for myself, despite the challenges, because there were moments when, Mm -hmm. you know, things were really, really hard. And, you know, I had to somehow and again, I had a lot of support in doing this, but I had to somehow see, you know, that there were possibilities on the other side of the challenge um, challenges that I was facing, and that is um, a big piece of how I've come to conceptualize this idea of resilience and what I do a lot of my teaching in today, Um, you know how to help parents to see their strengths in their child and how to help these parents foster the the child's ability to use these strengths to their advantage um, and to see that there's more to the situation than just the challenge that they're, you know, facing in the the immediate or that barrier that's right in front of them.
0: Right. And something we talk about a lot on here is because of brain development, kids Mm -hmm. often feel like these things are... And they're they're really big events, but they they don't see the other side of it yet. And as parents, we usually don't know how to help them do that. So I love that you've created this so that parents know how to help their kids see the other side or find the strength or the positive in a situation that they wouldn't be able to before.
2: Right, exactly. And you make a huge point in that developmentally, you know, this is an evolving process. So... We wouldn't, um, you know, be having discussions necessarily with the very young children about this. We would more try to model or encourage, you know, Mm -hmm. trying different things or trying again when they fall down or what have you. But as kids get older, we can really engage in um, conversation in dialogue with them about this, about the importance of, you know, trying again when things don't go as planned. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the the benefits of not succeeding the first time out. And also another really important piece here, point to make is this idea of sort of setting um, an intention on process goals as opposed to outcome goals. So what's happening in the process as you're trying, as you're moving forward? Um, and that's a really important, uh, thing to be focusing on with kids, um, as they, you know, are trying new things as they're doing the same things at a different time in their life when, you know, it might look different than it did before that sort of thing. Can you give us an example
0: of how you would help a family focus more on process goals versus outcome goals?
2: Sure. Absolutely. Um, so. Uh, An example that I would would bring up is, um, you know, let's say that a kid is starting high school freshman year and they've joined the cross country team and they've never run before. But everybody else, or at least in their perception of everybody else on the team, is that they're all, you know, great runners. They've got runners, you know, bodies, and they're just, they're, they're made for running. But this particular child does not believe the same for themselves and is struggling out there. And so what I would do, since this is a freshman in high school, and also, I would work with both the parents as well as the kid on really focusing on, the progress that they're making each day and measuring mm-hmm. that progress against themselves really, and, and this is easier said than done, obviously, because you know the tendency to compare and the tendency to want to be like everybody else is very, very real. Um, but really focusing on the importance of what's the progress that you're making. So you ran for 10 minutes yesterday, but you ran for 11 today. You know. That would say to me that you're coming out stronger the next day. Mm -hmm. And how can you kind of focus on that as opposed to, um, you know, what you don't perceive as happening in your performance, that sort of thing. And also, and this is, this is, you know, easier said than done in a, in a big way, but you know, it doesn't matter where you place. You know, again, you're measuring that progress against yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's it's easier said than done. And it's a process to help kids integrate this. But I've seen time and time again that for the kids who are able to integrate this way of thinking, uh, it takes pressure off themselves. You know, it, it, it takes away that tendency um, to really be uh, trapped in this cycle of negative self-talk. I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, this is too hard, and then they quit. But rather, if they can be thinking about um, the process that's unfolding and identifying in a way that sort of fosters self-awareness, what is going well? Where are those gains? That will help them to really develop and foster that self-belief, that strength, and that ability to move forward.
0: I'm over here furiously taking notes.
2: Yeah. So good.
0: So, yes, I um, specifically
1: love that you mentioned modeling. We talk about modeling a lot because Mm -hmm. it is the primary mode, right? The primary mode that our younger kids are going to learn and they're going to develop, activate those mirror neurons. Yes. What I found though, working with um, even adults Mm -hmm. that tend to lean towards more of the depressive symptoms i'm not diagnosing nobody this is educational content only okay y'all out there (laughs) is that that limited perception of i'm not not being good enough the Mm -hmm. the comparing and i know when we first started talking we mentioned a couple times the word superpower so i would one i gotta ask is pivoting one of your superpowers
2: Yes. Okay. I I knew it.
1: Called it. (laughs) Called it. um, but how would you define a superpower? Like what is it and what does that mean for kind of what we're talking about now and building that resiliency and self-esteem?
2: Sure, absolutely. So um, essentially a superpower is, you know, what is that thing or those things which define a kid or define any of us really? Because all of these principles that we're talking about actually do apply to all of us across the lifespan it just so happens that we're kind of. Talking about it from a, a kid perspective, but so a superpowers that that thing or that that set of things that defines the kid that that kind of creates their own unique context and that's where we really want to focus, we want to focus on helping kids to understand themselves within their own unique context and helping them to build and flourish within that context, as opposed to, you know, focusing on comparison and trying to be or, or, you know, um, think that they're somebody else. I love that. Um, I just, so we
1: released an episode yesterday and discussing regulating our nervous system and incorporating mindfulness. And so I think it's a little bit serendipitous. That's my fancy word for the day. Nice. Um, Nice. (laughs) (laughs) To be able to use the word flourish, because that's something I talk about and how um, a lot of the research has defined flourishing as the opposite of depression and isolation um, I wish I will find the exact quote cause I have it on my desk, but, yes. um, I feel like that's so powerful to recognize that when you can identify your strengths mm-hmm. or help your child identify their strengths, you teach them to flourish, mm-hmm. which is the opposite, right? Of right. Those depressive symptoms, those mm-hmm. isolation symptoms, those low self-esteem.
2: Yes, absolutely. That's a really, really good point. And this idea of, um, you know, a couple strategies related to this idea of regulating the nervous system of sort of fostering, um, optimism, that sort of thing, which is going to go along with flourishing. This idea of really helping kids to learn from a very early age. And again, this will evolve over time, the way it's done, but to manage their stress response to be able to keep their stress response at a modulated level such that when a challenge does hit, they don't, you know, spike so much emotionally that they shut down. So we want to really be helping them to do that, you know, through, you know, perhaps mindful breathing, you know, uh, there's one technique called the relaxation response, which. Was developed by a physician in Boston, which is a great one because it's so simple, and it's um, something that kids can plug in and use anytime. You know, anytime they're feeling stressed, yeah. or practicing it sort of on either end of the day, so that they're modulating re- uh, consistently, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Focusing on a word or a phrase that they find soothing, and just breathing for two minutes at a time, um, is how you practice that. But Really, really important um, to be modulating that stress response um, consistently.
1: Yes. So, all of you out there who have been listening, regulate your nervous system, please and thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so, that exact quote is flourishing psychologists. And you could tell me if I'm wrong, Dr. Kate, because you mm-hmm. might know flourishing <laughs> the opposite of depression, avoidance, and disengagement. So when you're flourishing, you're teaching emotional intelligence, boosting happiness, increasing curiosity and engagement, reducing anxiety, and soothing difficult emotions and trauma. Love it!
2: Yes, that is like are hits flourishing. it.
1: Flourishing, yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, can you give our listeners some examples of superpowers that you have helped um, parents and children identify?
2: Absolutely. So, you know, really this idea of um a kid's ability to understand and appreciate individual difference, which allows them to, you know, be emotionally connected, it's a sign of of emotional intelligence. That's something that, you know, I work with a lot and we help to um kind of foster in kids. And it helps on both sides of the bullying equation, right? Because um, kids who are bullying often have a hard time understanding and accepting individual difference. And as a result, perhaps try to make themselves feel better by knocking someone else down. Conversely, kids who are bullied have an easier time with that innate sort of Uh, ability to understand and appreciate individual difference as a result of their challenge, but yet um, need to have help at points in then fostering that to the point of being able to see their own possibility, their own self worth in moving forward. Um, So that's something otherwise, you know, um, in sports, you know, kids who, don't believe that it's possible for them to uh, join the baseball team, join the golf team, any of those things, but finding that with practice, with focus, with dedication, they really are able to build those skills and that allows them to see what's possible and perhaps, you know, they become an integral member of one of those teams um, have done a lot of work in those areas. And then just this idea of being able to bounce back from challenge when something bad happens. I'm thinking of some of the kids that I've worked with who have had really significant medical illnesses or um, physical injuries. And the thought of getting back to baseline um, is really, really daunting. And maybe it's not possible to get back to baseline But how do we help them to create a new normal? How do we help them to create a new sense of typical where they can also see that possibility and move forward? And the ability to do that is a huge uh, superpower and how we kind of really define this this idea.
0: Something that really stood out to me too when it comes to sports, and I have a little personal story, is in ninth grade, I did not make the volleyball team and I had played volleyball and I was so disappointed and upset and I cried and it felt like the biggest blow that I could have ever experienced. And the coach pulled me aside Uh and she said, you didn't make the team, but you are one of the kids that is the, one of the best team players, the most encouraging, and you try the hardest. So I'm willing to let you on the team with the expectation that you might not get a lot of playing time, but we still want you to be a part of this team. And I thought that that was really, really cool because she was acknowledging some of my superpowers and my superpowers were not the athletic ones. Right. But they Mm -hmm. were the things that like make a team happen. So even these reframe for kids is like, she thought that the skills that I had were important enough that they needed to be on the team, even if they weren't the athletic ones.
2: Absolutely love that.
0: Talking to kids about these things and pointing out that w- what you bring to a team is more than your athletic ability or um, how fast you are, how good you are. it's It's about some of those other qualities that they likely possess.
2: Absolutely, That's huge. I absolutely love that. And yeah, it's that ability to be a team player. It's that ability to be supportive of the kids who might struggle in some way. It's, it's all of that. And it sounds like, you know, you were bringing so much of what that team needed to the table. And how was that experience for you when you were on the team in ninth grade? It was a little, I had to work through some stuff. It was Mm -hmm. a little
0: bit like I had to not feeling good enough to play, but I was still practicing and put, but, and then still trying to remain positive. But I think Mm -hmm. overall it was a really big resilience building experience for me because I, pushed through those uncomfortable feelings and worked through them and was still supportive and I thought that people would judge me or think less of me but I really by the end of the season recognized that people cared about me and liked me just as much as the star player and I really was just as important to that team as the star player was yeah and And how impactful
1: yeah for you to remember that now you're some years old you know not in ninth grade anymore and so when I'm thinking about us identifying superpowers, I will also take it out of an athletic setting, right? And I'm thinking for myself, I pose the question of like, what value do I add to this situation? What value do I add to this relationship? And in a way, I feel like that's kind of a perception of a superpower. Like I am very um, community oriented as in like I love to create community and that is a value that I contribute to groups to social settings to experiences which is essentially a superpower right yeah so we can look at our kids and even ourselves and be like what values do we add to this situation and how can we emphasize that and what and how can that change the outcome for us
2: Yeah, absolutely love that. And yeah, it comes back to this idea of self-awareness and helping kids to identify those things that they're bringing to various situations that might not be evident or obvious to them on the surface. um, Mm -hmm. But helping them to really look and see what that reality is, is important. And perspective also develops over time. And it sounds like, you know, that was an an experience on the volleyball team. You sort of developed perspective over time through the course of the experience. And, you know, that happens so often.
0: Yeah, and I think if we can foster this in our children, they give themselves the chance to find that perspective for themselves. Because mm-hmm. if I had said, well, I don't want to play if I'm not going to play, then I wouldn't have gotten the chance to gain all of that perspective and knowledge and insight into myself and into what makes the team work.
2: Exactly. Yes. Yeah, and so that's that a great example. And, growth. Mm-hmm.
0: and we want to
1: instill it slow and gradual. I love that perception builds over time. I think that that's really important because we are a generation or we are in the day and age of overnight success mm-hmm. or quick results. And that is not the case when we're working with mental health <laughs> or self-esteem <laughs> right. or any of that. Like I wish girl.
2: Right. I wish Ew. there was that magic button, <laughs> but the truth is there's not.
1: Exactly. And so I cycle back to like the very foundations of what our plant seeds in our children, right? Mm-hmm. So like modeling. So as important as it is for us to acknowledge those things in our children and superpowers, it's mm-hmm. equally important for us to be able to take the stance of identifying our own superpowers within our families. Within the, Lindsay and I talk a lot about the different roles that we carry in general. We're both mothers, we're both spouses, we're both um, working professionals, we're both podcasts, co-hosts, like the list goes on, right? Yes. But being able to identify our superpower within each of those individual settings and then shamelessly, that's kind of my favorite token word right now, shamelessly modeling how we add
2: value for our kids. Yes, absolutely. That's huge. And really sort of being able to, yeah, point out kind of what we're bringing to the table and help ourselves, our kids as a family sort of point out, you know, in one exercise or exercise, that's kind of a weird word, but one thing that we try Uh to do as a family um, each night is go around the dinner table. Uh, I've got fifteen-year-old uh, twin boys, and so my husband and I sit there, and you know the boys are there, and it's pretty chaotic, you know, coming in from school and practices, and they've got homework, and dinner has to get on the table, and anyway, but to really slow down for a moment, and everybody kind of talks about their day a little bit, but then try to think about three to five or two to three things that did go well that day, because. You know sort of we call that our daily wins exercise because it's so easy to focus on you know human human nature kind of dictates focusing on the things that didn't go well you know what should Mm -hmm. have gone better what could i have done or should i have done better but really honing in and focusing on you know those three to five things that that did go well helps bring that that perspective that mindset back to neutral or in a more positive direction which is Mm -hmm. I think a really important thing to model for our kids and try to um, help them internalize so they can take it into their own lives, um, you know, whether that be in school or sports or you know academics or whatever, um, really, really important. so that's that's just a, a strategy and exercise that that we find very helpful here.
0: I'm also a twin mom, but my twins are four. <laughs> Ah, and, okay. Okay. And we do something similar. I we am do, not like,
2: a twin mom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we do a high and low and my kids are younger and they get so excited to share their high and low at dinner
2: Nice. That
0: they, and they're so excited to listen to each other's high and low. And so mm. it's been a really cool, like as they've gotten older, like family bonding thing to see them, you know, get invested in each other too, and, mm-hmm. and be building each other up and not just like me and their dad building them
2: up. Oh, I yeah. love I love that. I love it. That's I excellent. Love it. Oh, the I love
1: metaphor it. that you used of what do we bring to the table actually brought up a visual image of family dinner for me. So I was like, oh my gosh, "This example is so good." And we also do highs and lows, or who the heck knows? Because sometimes who the heck knows, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, but I love the idea. So. We recently also talked on the podcast about how negative perceptions are encoded and stored in our brain immediately. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we're scanning, right? For safety, for danger, yeah. threats, potential yeah. threats. Sure. And positive experiences take 20 to 30 seconds to encode and store. So being able to acknowledge the mm-hmm. positive, what went well, and then sit with it, including the validation, you know, from those primary that primary family. Yeah. I think it's incredibly impactful.
2: Yeah, that is a great, great point. And that's why, yeah, sort of bringing the positives to the forefront sort of in an intentional way is so important because, again, human nature, right? Can Absolutely. Can go right to the negative and can get yeah. stuck there. And then um, those, those negative thought loops develop, and that's just not, not, not good.
1: Yes, we're trying to break the looping. So yeah. I am notoriously extravagant or extra. And so I'm, I'm going to tell you guys all an exercise that I did with my kids when we had moved to a new community and we were really trying to root ourselves. I have so many stories about moving because it was so traumatic. (laughs) It's called, I believe in you and me. Okay. My kids were young, but the premise is good. So hang in. Okay. We took a giant piece of cardboard and I drew like a tree trunk. And then we went out and collected leaves because I'm extra. And then we did the like rub it over situation where you're like rubbing the leaf down and it creates the leaf imprints. And then with each family member had a different section of the tree with different leaves. And so they got to write what they found valuable about each other family member. So like I would take a turn on my oldest daughter's leaves and I would write like what I thought she brought to the table right? And I would do that for each family member. And so we all got to do that for each other. And then we have this huge family creation that we called, I believe in you and me (laughs) (laughs) fun intended, where we got to acknowledge and validate the value or the superpowers that each member contributed to the family and would take into the community to re like root ourselves.
2: That is really cool. I love that. Yeah. That That is amazing. That is really, really (laughs) cool. Yeah, I, I love that. That is excellent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that one because that is, that is very powerful. I love it. If you ever need
0: a craft idea for any kind of skill, Paige is your girl. <laughs> I am not crafty, but she just gives them to me and then I use them. Like I, nice. can, I can arrange it in my head, but the craft part is a little, I can't get that far.
2: Right. Okay. And that's, that's awesome, right? Everybody kind of brings their thing. Super and has power. Their
0: own I'm crafty. I'm
1: a crafty mom. I, I am not a nighttime story, mom. Don't ask me to read you a story
2: at bedtime, Kate. Okay. All right. Don't I will, do it. I, I will keep that in mind. I will keep that in mind. That's awesome.
0: So we've talked a lot about like medical issues. Um, can this be applied to, I, I want to say trauma, but not like like little T trauma, like those events that happen that are, aren't are necessarily medical or big T trauma, but maybe um, negative interaction at school or things like that?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All of these principles apply sort of across the continuum of challenge that our kids might encounter. And the thing is, you know, challenge is inevitable, right? We like to think there's that magic button to erase all challenge, but yeah, it doesn't have to be... Um, a life altering event uh, mm-hmm. a major medical trauma anything along those lines oftentimes i'm working with kids who are struggling. Um, you know, socially at school they maybe just don't quite fit in or you know have have a bullying experience in their in their history and. Mm-hmm. Absolutely um, all of all of what we're talking about here applies across the, the continuum and another big one that that I encounter a lot is um, this idea of learning difference or. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just learning in a different way. And um, these, these, um, these techniques, these, this approach, these kind of skills are really helpful in helping kids to identify and appreciate, you know, what it is they're bringing to the table, because despite challenges in learning, you know, there are strengths there, there always are, and Mm -hmm. helping kids to see those and kind of look at their situation from a different angle um, is huge.
0: um, the thing that stuck out to me is I'm thinking of like neurodivergence specifically. So you have these kids that um, maybe struggle with attention, but they are very good when they can hyper and be like mm-hmm. very productive and learn a lot or um, yeah. learn a lot of information about one specific thing. And yep. so being able to redirect them to like, that's your superpower in this situation. So you might mm-hmm. struggle to get going and get focused, but once you're focused, you are like laser focused where other kids might not be able to sustain attention for that long.
2: Precisely. That's Mm -hmm. huge. And so to help kids see these things through a different lens from a different angle and to help um, parents do that too. Because oftentimes parents (laughs) will be, and understandably so, you know, kind of uh, fixated or very, very, um, you know, holding on very tightly to what's wrong as opposed Mm -hmm. to, kind of seeing more the bigger picture of, okay, we've got these challenges. Sure. And they're very real, but let's also look at what's right and how that can kind of, um, you know, balance out the bigger picture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that, the, I love the idea that there's always a strength. There's always a superpower. Yeah. Kind of like Mr. Rogers, when he was like, look for the helpers like in every scenario, there's going to be strengths and superpowers.
2: Exactly. So like, look for them exactly and it's that human nature thing to go to the what's wrong you know and if it's big enough being stuck there and that's what we really want to avoid right and i think as parents too we don't ever want our kids to
0: struggle And so we get so stuck in like wanting them to do things the typical way or um, to fit in. Mm -hmm. And we have to like take a step back and see, there's a lot of like learning and growth in those challenges. And we all have challenges naturally. And your child's challenges may look like a few specific things that are different from someone else's challenges, but stepping back and saying, okay, that's where like insight and growth takes place. And it's not about having the perfect child. It's about teaching my kids how to
2: handle challenges in general. Exactly. That's yeah. a huge point, right? Because we yeah, that that impulse oftentimes for us as as moms is to to go in and fix it. And you know, that's that's not often the the thing to do because we do want our, our kids to to grapple in those situations a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, of course there's there's a line that we don't want to cross with that, but you know, it's the grappling is 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 growth producing and helps them to become stronger over time.
1: Yeah. I love it. So could you um, walk through how somebody in our audience listening to this podcast would be able to walk away from our time together and start to implement what we are discussing?
2: Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that biggest kind of strategy is, you know, and the, the core thing that's really important is to really help kids um, to create um, a routine for managing their stress response, you know, whether that's mm-hmm. through mindful breathing, whether it's through, um, you know, some sort of visualization exercises, spending time outside every single day being physically active. Mm-hmm. Those are two hugely important things in managing stress response. Because as we help our kids to manage their stress response, you know, they're going to be better able to manage challenge regardless just is how it how it works. And so that's going to be really, really important. Also, um, you know, being really cognizant as parents to be modeling positive self-talk you know don't be talking down about ourselves don't be talking down about our kids particularly not in front of them you know that kind of thing so modeling sort of positive self-talk is going to be huge um fostering a sense of gratitude a, a sense of um you know what is going right here as opposed to you know kind of focusing on the negative and the challenges which which is an important focus we need to be able to contend with that but not to in extreme so i think those would be really three key strategies i know we mentioned sort of earlier on but really central and important in the process of um, fostering resilience fostering the ability to overcome challenge and and move forward um, for our kids and also of course that idea of helping our kids to see what's possible even if it doesn't seem clear in the moment
0: I love the part about like, when you were talking about gratitude, finding the, the positive in situations, because I think even just in conversations or talking through things with your spouse and your kids are there and finding like, oh, but the good thing about this is and saying that, or it turned out to maybe be a blessing because just yeah. helps them see that in most situations, there is that silver lining or that growth that happens.
2: Right that growth piece yeah and that that thing that can foster forward motion, um, and even if it doesn't seem obvious or evident up front, you know let's look a little bit for it and and let's see if we can find it. Okay um.
0: Any let tell us where we can find you where everyone can get your book.
2: Got it. Well, so my book is available on Amazon. Um, one thing to mention is I also have a companion course for my book, um, which is available, uh, on my website, which is katelundspeaks.com. So K-A-T-E-L-U-N-D.com. I mean, (laughs) speaks.com. Sorry about that. I messed that up. No, we'll
0: put a link in the show notes for everyone too. So it'll, you can just click right on it.
2: Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And so those are, those are the primary places to find me. Um, the course, uh, goes into a bit more depth than my book, um, has a companion workbook with exercises that parents can do with their kids. Um, so those, I would say are the, the primary places to find me.
0: Okay. Well, I'm sure everyone will be looking for you. And thank you so much for coming on today. You've done such a great job of answering our questions and talking about how we can foster and build resilience in our kids. And we just appreciate you so much.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. And I appreciate you having me here.
0: Okay. Well, have a great day.
2: All right. You too. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, Creating Community and Smashing Parental Stigma, Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.